Okay, we're going to be in the, the book of Hebrews one more time. In the, uh, chapter 6, we're going to read a little bit, and then we're going to, uh, we'll see where we're going on this. And I'm going to call this the King of Righteousness and King of Peace. And uh, we're going to start in chapter 6 of Hebrews. And I'm going to start... Um, We're going to start with verse 13 and reading down through verse 20 of chapter 6, Hebrews. It says, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil." Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And let's have a word of prayer as we start. Our Heavenly Father, we, we pray that you would uh, be with us this morning as we open the word, that you would um, give us those things that we can share together and that you'd reveal yourself to us. Pray that you'd be with uh, those that aren't with us today, that are away for various reasons, that you'd watch over us wherever it might be. Again, uh, open our eyes and our hearts to what the Word has to say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We, at previous lesson, we looked at uh, this portion, the same portion, 13 through, through 19, and it was called Heirs of Promise. And it speaks here about God and promise that He uh, swore to Abraham, but to also to to all of his people, the church of all time, that uh, he swore these things. And it says um, that we might have strong consolation, verse 18, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. And we spoke about uh, above here the promise, and it says that that declares to his people the immutability of his counsels. It's never going to change. His counsel, his determinations, the, the everlasting covenant that he has that, that uh, uh, procures and comforts and, and guarantees the church, those things will never change and have a, a hope, it says, as an anchor of the soul. And, and then in verse 20... Hebrews chapter 6, verse 20, it says, Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And we're going to look a, a little bit this morning at Melchizedek and, and what the scripture uh, tells us about Melchizedek and, and, and uh, more importantly, what it tells us about our, our Lord and Savior himself. And... Um, we're going to spend 
a little time in, in uh, Genesis and Psalm, but bulk of our time is going to be in the book of Hebrews. And the Melchizedek it's, is, is, a, is a word made up of two words, and what little I know about Hebrew, Greek, or any of the other languages, but what I read, Melech, king, and Tizedek, justice or righteousness. And, it, and uh, uh, a king of justice or king of righteousness. And, and we will read where it says that uh, Melchizedek, king of Salem, king of peace. And um, it, how it points to our great high priest Christ. And we're going to, we're going to read some uh, descriptive things about Melchizedek. And then we'll see what uh, the scriptures have to say about that concerning our Lord. In the book of Genesis, to start with Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. And a couple couple of verses here in Genesis 14. Um, Starting in verse 17 of, of Genesis chapter 14, it says, And the, the king of Sodom went out to meet him, Abraham, after his return from the slaughter of Kaldorlamor and, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheba, which is the king's dale. In verse 18, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. You see, Melchizedek, king of Salem. uh, It says, the priest of the Most High God. And then in, in Psalm 110, 110th Psalm. Psalm 110, and reading the 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 whole of this, um, it says Psalm 110, verse one: The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thy enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head, and particularly there, in um, in verse four, where it says, "The Lord has sworn and will not repent." Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, and that's speaking about the Lord Himself, uh, uh, a priest forever. And that phrase, "a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek," is is used a lot of times, and we're going to see that in as we as we continue on 
And then also several, this is a very important psalm because a lot of it is quoted a lot of times. Um, verse 1, that Lord said unto my Lord, set thou my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. That And also, verse 3, thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. And then verse 4, that hath, Lord hath sworn and will re, not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So these verses are, are, are quoted many times uh, in, in Scripture uh, as, as uh, we've seen and, and heard many times. Back in the book of, of the book of Hebrews, starting with the first chapter, and we're going to we're going to spend the bulk of our time in the book of Hebrews because uh, it, it's a, quite a commentary on on uh, Melchizedek and and our Lord and Savior, of course. Chapter one of Hebrews, starting with verse eight. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is for ever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of Thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. They all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail." But to which of the angels saith he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Uh, in, in speaking here of obviously of the eternality of our Lord, he has uh, laid the foundations of the, of the world as it says here and it says in, in John and other places that he is the the Creator, and He is the the one that, that the works of His hands. And um, speaks of His not changing and never changing. And as that phrase about His priesthood shall never change after the order of Melchizedek, and and uh, it being an eternal thing. And in chapter two uh, of Chapter two of Hebrews, it starts speaking about the Lord as being the high priest in in uh, in verse seventeen, and not to not to uh, slight or to go over these without um, uh, emphasizing them, but for for time, it says in verse seventeen, chapter two of Hebrews, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, speaking of our Lord that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. But particularly here, he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Pretty important point. Pretty important point to the 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 church, the um, the priest as it's, it will see 
as we read on, we'll see that the, the priest in the Old Testament could only do a service in a, a picture of what was needed. Those sacrifices couldn't really make reconciliation for the sins of the people. They, they were, a, they were a, a picture of the true sacrifice and, and God working in the, the, his people's hearts even then, the remnant, it was always there. There were those somehow, and by his spirit, uh, we don't know exactly what, how much they understood, but they knew that their hope was not in that sacrifice that the priest was presenting. That was a picture of it. That was a picture of it. And they, they had hope in that picture of that, that it was the real was fulfilled that, that, that sacrifice, the scapegoat, when that was taken off and their sins laid on to that in picture, that in reality truly in our true high priest sacrifice, our Lord, that w- indeed did take place and, and um, uh, fulfilled that picture of that in that way. Um, in chapter 3, right next door down here, in chapter 3, um, Starting with verse 1 and reading down just a little bit, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. And again, as the, uh, it says, consider, it says, the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus, Christ Jesus. And as those priests did those things and carried out those things, and as Moses said, was faithful to do those things that God required him to do, pointing to Christ, who is much more faithful over the house that he built, his people, his church, and that... Um, Secured those things that that he said would be secured, and in in uh, again as the apostle and high priest of our profession, he's the, he's the captain of our salvation. He's the he's the the one in charge and the one that that sees these things through and see these work that needs to be done through. And in that, and in chapter four in Hebrews. Starting with verse 14, again speaking about the, the high priest, um, speaking in the early part of this about the rest that only Joshua couldn't give him rest, but, but our Lord is the one that can give rest. But starting with verse 14 of, of, of chapter 4 of Hebrews, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus Christ the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. 
For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Therefore let us come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, and that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity? And by reason hereof he ought as for the people also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. And he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. A couple of a couple of things here. Christ, our high priest, in contrast to the earthly high priest that had to offer sacrifice for himself and for the people, as it says up here in um, starting with verse fourteen again of verse four or chapter four Hebrews. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. A couple, a couple of things I'd like to mention at, at that point. Those high priests, even while they were doing the sacrifices in the, in, as clean as they can get in their garments and the different things that are taking place, they were sinners. They, uh, they were uh, carrying out the office of, of uh, the priest uh, in picture of the true high priest, but only in picture because they were sinful men. And as it says in other places, they couldn't continue because of death. They, one priest served, died, next one come up, served, died. Our high priest is, is not one that's limited by anything, and he was a forever that priest. And also that uh, when he, as, as the, the, that role of the priest, as we're looking at it, offered himself as that sacrifice, it says he was, he was um, touched with our infirmities, but was all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. He was not tempted like, like we are in the same sense that we have a temptation and we kind of, should I or shouldn't I kind of thinking, and we, you know, many times do the wrong way. That was not an option for our Lord. He, it never entered in his mind. He didn't, con, his temp, things that tempted him were not tempted as we are, that it could go either way. Uh, he, he, there was no possibility. He's perfect. He did not sin, and he didn't contemplate sinning or it it wasn't a a consideration. It just is not possible. 
if we have any understanding of, of who our Lord is, and in the book of Hebrews it speaks highly of him as a lot of the other places, that it's not just that, that he could have sinned and he didn't, and he just lived a good life that way. It was not possible for it. It was, it, it, and, and those that contemplate, I think, whether Christ could have sinned or not, and when he was tempted, I, I think they have a very poor view of who God is and a very poor view of who our Lord and Savior is. He had to be the perfect one. He was God, and he, and he lived, not only lived a perfect life physically, but he, there was no option. It wasn't a, we'll wait and see if he lives a good life. It was, it was determined, and he's God, and there's no uh, possibility that he would be, the temptation would, would cause sin. And so we know that that was a perfect sacrifice that the perfect high priest offered of himself. In um, chapter 6, back where we were, we're going to start at verse 18 again of, of chapter 6 of Hebrews. Uh, uh, the, and we're going to see a little bit more about the mentions of Melchizedek and his priesthood again, and himself. It says in verse 18 of chapter 6 of Hebrews, that by two immutable things that which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hope upon the hope set before us, which hope we have in an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that, it, and that is, it, it said, those that have a strong consolation that have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope. And the hope is indeed in that, in that high priest, the true high priest, and that true sacrifice he offered that it, for his people. And, that, uh, and it, it says it's an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Uh, and that can only be there because of what God causes that by grace we're saved through faith, and that has to be instilled in us by, by Him, by God Almighty, because we don't have that confidence and that that uh, uh, steadfastness and understand those things unless He reveals it to us, and that He is that indeed that anchor of the soul to His people. And then continuing on in chapter seven, uh, verse one, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days or end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abiding a priest continually." Now consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi who received the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law that is of their brethren though they come out of the loins of Abraham. And I'd like to stop for just a second and up here where it speaks about this king uh, Melchizedek. It says, King of Salem, priest.
priest of the Most High God, in verse 1, who met Abraham uh, returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom Abraham gave the tenth part of all, first being interpreted king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Uh, we have to stop for a second there and and ask ourselves who this is talking about. We know that there's only one that's going to be the king of righteousness. There's only going to be one that is truly the king of peace. There may have been some peaceful kings, and there may have been some good kings and some not so good kings, as we saw in in the Old Testament speaks to them. Some of the kings were a lot better than some of the others, but they were all sinful men. They were all they were still men, and and that's brought to us on each of those that were that were uh, godly men that they were sinful men. They were still they were still men, and here speaking of this, this can only the only one that has these attributes is our Lord and Savior Himself, and it and it uh, attributes them to this man. And it says in verse three, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abiding a priest continually. And and um, de- depending on how you how you read this particular verse there. This Melchizedek, there's no record of his father or his mother. No, there is no record of his beginning of days, etc., or his descendants, uh, nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abiding a priest continually. There's no record of this um, in that regard. There's no, there's no record in the same manner. Our, our, the true high priest, there's no beginning of days with him or end of days. Now, we know his... We know we know something we more we know more about him than we do of Melchizedek here we know in an earthly sense we know the the lineage of God's people come down from Adam to our Lord and we can follow that along and we know that parentage on that part and we also know on who his father was God's Holy Spirit caused that to become upon Mary and we know his we know his lineage as far as that goes and he's 100% God, always has been, always will be, without beginning of days and without end of days. So, so um, whether this is speaking of, and there's some different thoughts about whether this Melchizedek was the Lord himself appearing to Abraham or a very strong picture of him because of some of the descriptions here, um, um, I think there, there can be some discussion on it, but I don't think there... I don't think that there's any discussion of who it's speaking of, who the picture is of. And that this picture of Melchizedek and his continuing priesthood is used a lot, a lot more than a, than some of the other um, uh, appearing of the Lord in in the scriptures to people. And, and before he was before he came in an earthly earthly body in that manner. So those things um I, I think can be can be looked into can be t- discussed some and talked about but um at the at the very least this is a very strong picture of who the lord is to his people i don't think there can be much stronger in that and and unto uh, said made unto the like unto the son of god abideth a priest continually okay and then and then as we go on um, 
verse 5, it says of chapter 7, Hebrews, and verily they that are of the sons of Levi who received the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But who whose descent is not counted from them receives tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. And as I may say, so say, Levi also who receiveth tithes paid tithes in Abraham. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there's necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe of which no man gave attendance to the altar. For it's evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. Christ, uh, and it is yet far more evident, for after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testified, testified, thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. And if we, it, it says here in 15, yeah, um, that after the similitude, verse 15, of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who is not made after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. After the similitude of that, after the picture we see of Melchizedek without descend, descendants or without uh, descended from father, mother, or any lineage like that, we have a, a, a priest after that picture who is, it says here, that uh, after the an endless power of an endless life, and our Lord we know is is that one. Indeed, and um, again, here in verse 17, that thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And, and as I said before, at least after the strong picture of that, there, there are some, and I, and I can't take exception with the thought that, that, that this one Melchizedek, when they met him, was the Lord himself incarnate pre-incarnate from uh, days past, as in Jacob, when Jacob wrestled with the Lord and other pictures we have. Um, I, don't, I don't think I could argue with that. <laughs> I, there's, there are those, uh, Brother Hawker, and one of his comments on that is, the, the scripture doesn't specifically spell that out, and he said, well, I'm not going to take it any farther than what the scripture shows. But, but we'd be... I think doing a great harm if we didn't see how strong that 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 picture is of him, indeed. Um, and then a couple more spots in in Hebrews chapter eight. Hebrews chapter eight. 
important, an important section here. It says, starting in verse 1, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, not man. For every high priest is ordained um, to offer gifts and sacrifices, whereof it is of necessity that this man have somewhat to also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, he saith, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. But, but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better, uh, which established upon better promises. That here, and, and it talk, goes on in contrast the old and the new. But here, in particularly, it says here's here's what we're the sum of what we've been talking about. We have a high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is set on the right hand of the throne of the Majesty in the heavens. Minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, whereof it's necessity that this man have somewhat to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto an example and the shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished, it says, to build those things that uh, build those things after the pattern that's shown thee. And it says, He hath obtained the Lord a better, more excellent ministry, minister of a better covenant, which is established on better promises. Again, speaking, speaking of him, we have a high priest that did not do, earthly, did not do the earthly service in that picture way. He is the true, and he is set on the heavens above. And our high priest, as we, we as we've seen in other places, he sat down when he sat down on the right hand. He is sat down on the right hand of the throne on high. He is he is rested from that. The work has been finished. And as when when he's when he said on the cross, the words he said, "It is finished." Those things that speak of the priesthood. Those things and the sacrifice; those things were were finished and accomplished, as only that he could do that. And then, a couple places places in in chapter nine that I'd like to read, um, starting with verse eleven. And not and not to like I see slight these because it contrasts back and forth, the Levitical priesthood and our true priesthood, and you. Read some of those other things. We're concentrating on what it says about the Lord here today. But in verse in chapter 9 of Hebrews, starting with verse 11, it says, But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in, once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. 
For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ash of an heifer sprinkling, the unclean sanctified through the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. <clears throat> and one more, verse 15. And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of internal inheritance. And up here where it talks about him, verse 14, how much more the blood of bulls and goats couldn't, they could purify the flesh as it were in, in, in uh, that type. But how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And I underlined that, have a star by it and two exclamation points in the margin there. Uh, it, through a couple of things, the blood of Christ, the true sacrifice, the only sacrifice that was effective and effectual for the needs of the people, of that reconciliation of putting away sins, of blood of Christ, eternal spirit offered himself without spot. That should be the definitive final answer to any questions whether how clean that sacrifice was. It was without spot. And any question I think that's brought up against that or in, in challenge or um, looking at that point some other way is arguing with what the scripture have to say very plainly, very plainly as that lamb that was offered in the Old Testament, they had to pin it up and look at it and make sure that thing, that animal was, there was nothing wrong that they could discern. They couldn't look inside, but they could look outside. And they pinned it up, and they, I probably washed that thing up and just kept good eye on it. it. Had to be spotless in that way, and in that as that picture. And here it says, "Without spot offered to God," and that's the only way it could have been, not only offered, but that's the only way it could ever been accepted. It had to be a perfect spotless. And uh, is the it, as it said, he's the mediator of the New Testament. That, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the law, they which were called might receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. And that was, speaks clear back to chapter 5 there in 6 that we were looking at here in Hebrews of the promise that God made to Abraham. That promise was not just a piece of real estate. Those things were not... Uh, there's people that take and look at that as those things. Those were Those were passing minor things that people keep an eye on and not in, uh, not in the eternal things, in the eternal hope that those promises gave to Abraham and to all, all of his people and before. And then in uh, the same place, in verse uh, 24 of chapter, uh, of chapter 9, 20, verse 24 through the end of the chapter, it says, For Christ is not entered the holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true, but of the heaven, and to heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. 
nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Another, another verse that I've got a couple of exclamation points by. That he was offered once for sin. He, he fulfilled in the, the high priesthood for his people that that earthly one, whether it was Melchizedek or any other earthly priest, could not, could not fulfill except in picture. And, and uh, those pictures are great, but still pictures. Um, we know other than Christ, speaking of the, the king of peace, the king of righteousness, the king of justice, those things that we know that other than Christ and the Godhead, none other fulfill these things. These roles can truly be called that, and in the in the King James, whether it's proper or not, both King and righteousness, and King and peace, and King and Salem are capitalized. Those are not just uh, uh, roles or titles or something. They are who who our Lord and Savior is, and there there's none other like Him. There's none that can be like Him, and it, it it's a wonderful picture of our true great High Priest. Or, or possibly the pre-incarnate Lord. Read the word. Seek light to be given. And that's what we do. We pray to God to reveal these things to us. And, and um, that I have a different um, view now of when it talks about the, our Lord and Melchizedek and that priesthood and that similitude of that and... and uh, and I hope that um, uh, Scripture we read today um, made some sense and, and uh, put some, shed some light on those things. And with that, as Mike says from time to time at the end of the lesson, breathe free. Thank you.